0: First Sunday of 2020. Doesn't that sound weird? In some ways it does to me. I was kind of laughing at, I guess 2019 was a hard year on some people because there were all these memes of people exploding 2019, hitting it with a sledgehammer. So at least we're, it's a new season. And the Apostle Paul, not the one from the video, but the, the real one, Uh, He had some good advice for us that we can all use as we enter a new year, a new decade. And it's in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 14. Scripture says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize For which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Uh, So what precedes these verses is Paul's talking about his past. And if anyone could ever work their way to heaven, it probably would have been Paul. He was trained in the law. He was a Pharisee. But then he met Jesus in a very profound way, didn't he? I, I mean, I didn't get knocked off a horse and blinded by Jesus. But he did. And he said of all his training, he counted, but rubbish, it means nothing is, is related to knowing Christ. And he's saying, uh, I just want to move on. And he says, I do one thing. And I'm like, Paul right here proves that he was a preacher because he says this one thing I do. And then he proceeds to give three points. He was a preacher. I'm just going to say one thing, and then there's three. So he says this, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies has, I press on to reach the end of the race. So he says he's going to forget the past, he's going to look forward, and he's going to run the race, right? Uh, So there's, there's one thing, let's talk about the past first. There's one thing that's constant about the past for all of us. None of us can change it. None of us can change it. No matter how much we want to change the past, what happened to us, we can't change it. Uh, I was kind of laughing back in the spring. My high school basketball coach tracked me down here at Crossroads and called me. And we talked for several minutes. It was great to hear his voice. And he's joking. He's just as funny as he always was. But then he said it. He goes, hey, you remember that game? And I thought, oh, here it comes. He's like, Remember that game when you made me lose my mind? And I was like, uh, I'm just nodding on the phone. I'm like, "Yes, I remember that game. Uh, we, it was a really tight basketball game, and uh, tight. He called time out, bring us in the huddle." and he says, "Now, Beth, the play that they're going to run, your girl is going to try to take baseline on you, whatever you do." Do not let her drive the baseline, which is the line underneath the basketball goal if you're not familiar with basketball. Do not let her drive the baseline. And heaven forbid, if she gets past you, don't foul her. Understand? Yes, sir. All right, so we break, go out on the on the court, and what happens? Here she comes, and I'm like, don't let her drive the baseline. And I'm trying to cut her off, and I I had my foot on the baseline, but no, she went right around me, and I watched her go, and then what's left to do, right? I chased her down and just hammered her as she took the shot and fouled her, and then the screaming began, and this is in the days when coaches maybe could get by with a little bit more, but the screaming began, and it was, why?! Why? And I mean, it's like, look, my coach is not screaming at me from the bench. He is coming onto the court right at me, screaming at the top of his lungs, which wasn't common. So, of course, the gym gets real quiet. And my loyal teammates, they promptly moved out of the way so he could have a straight shot right at me. And he screams probably eight times at the top of his lungs. Why? 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 And he, you know, I'm I'm preparing to meet Jesus, and I'm standing there, and I don't know what to do, and the whole gym is quiet, and finally I went, I don't know, like that, and and he just put his hands over his face, and he started laughing, and and of course everybody kind of laughed, and he just went, uh, he goes back to the bench, he goes, yep, I'll never forget that game, uh, yeah, me neither. Now I am happy to say. I played much better the rest of the game, and we won. So it's kind of a funny, good memory. I think if we had lost, he'd have been like, you remember that game you cost us? And I was like, yes, sir. But anyway, I think that question is what many of us ask about the past sometimes. When things don't go as we're praying for, we say, why, God? Why? Why did she have to die? We all prayed. We all believed God that she was going to live. And why? Why? There's so much disappointment there. Or I don't want to diminish anyone's pain in a crowd this size. uh, If we could tell our stories, many of us would be in tears because you have no idea how traumatized some people in our crowd have been, the horrific things that have happened to them or whatever. Uh, I'm not diminishing anyone's pain, but the one thing that the Apostle Paul tells us to do is to forget the past. We can't change it, but we, he wants us to forget it. Now, it's important to remember when he says forget it, it's not like we're hitting a delete file that just erases our past. Uh, the verses that it's using here, when it says forget, it literally means to no longer be influenced or affected by it. In other words, you're not bound to some bad thing that happened or a memory or whatever. You know, and that's the bad side. Do you know that you can also be bound to the past by great memories? You know, we'll sit around and talk about the good old days. You know, but that's what they are. They're the old days. They're not what's what's happening right now. Uh, maybe there's something you really miss and... Uh, Whatever it is, we we can have accomplishments or whatever. We miss those days, so we keep being pulled backwards. And when we keep looking backwards and facing our past and being pulled down, it's like swimming with an anchor. You know that doesn't work. You swim with an anchor. Maybe you're strong for a while, but eventually that anchor is going to pull you down to the ground, and you're you're going to drown. We, we have to figure out how to let our past go. How how do we move on, both the good and the bad? And I'll come back to that in just a second. But So the first thing he does is say, forget the past. But then he says, look forward. Uh, the title on your bulletin is says, which direction? So which direction are you facing? The way that we break the power of the past is to live for the future, for what God's doing now. Uh, a lot of times... <laughs> I get easily distracted, and sometimes I will pray this simple prayer. God, help me to be right where I am today. I'm not looking, at, thinking about yesterday, and I'm not thinking about tomorrow. I'm like, help me to focus right now. I need to be present with these people in this meeting. Help me to be here right now. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm telling my soul, focus, look forward. You know, the good news about looking forward in our, our future is if you're a believer, regardless of your circumstances, your future is secure. You know, I don't know if any of you read the books by skipping to the end, but if you skip to the end of the Bible, we actually win. That's good news. That's really good news that if you read to the end, we're overcomers. You know, but that actually kicks in right now. But it's good news. Our future is secure and The thing about Paul is he learned, he learned he was nothing without Christ. So he had to let his past go. And in these verses, in these chapters in Philippians, he's talking to the church at Philippi. He's saying, nothing matters other than knowing Christ. And he's saying, I want to know you more. I want to be complete in in you. In fact, he says, I want to achieve perfection. But he says, nobody's perfect. That's probably where we get that saying, nobody's perfect. Are there any perfect people here today? No, we all, not, we all play, right? None of us are perfect. And he's saying, I, I'm not perfect, but yet I'm forgetting the past. I'm looking forward to the future, and I'm going to learn everything about Jesus. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to know who I am in him. And I'm, I want to give you a commercial right now, a free infomercial here at Crossroads Church. But do you know that we have developed a ministry right here at Crossroads Church to help you deal with anything in your past, but specifically to help you discover who you are in Christ, and it's called Life Ministries. You may have seen it advertised. You may have thought, "Eh, I'm not going to do that. But let me ask you this question. As you head into 2020, is your spiritual life, your soul, worth you investing eight and a half hours? That's it. Eight and a half hours. Is your spiritual life, your soul, worth you investing eight and a half hours? Let me say, this means yes. This means no. All right? So is your spiritual life worth you investing that amount of time? It it is. It is. And it's easy to go through. There's two classes, life courses, two classes. They'll be offered three times for you to take them live. They start in two weeks right in that room over there. It's called The Hub. Uh, they're one hour in length. That's your two hours. If you just can't bring yourself to do that, they're going to go live on our website. You can sit in your sweats and watch them at home, knock out the two hours, and then after you do those two classes, then you've met the prerequisite to come to a one-day conference that's only six and a half hours. And here's the truth. One of those hours, I decided to count it because you don't get to leave. It's eating. It's eating. We can all eat for an hour and take a break. So it's really seven and a half hours, but you're here from 2 o'clock in the afternoon till 8.30 at night. Now, there's been a few people already go through this. So if you've gone through Life Ministries, hold your hand up high in the crowd. Now keep it up. If God did something and blessed you and taught you something, wave it like this. Now, everybody look at the people that are waving around you because you don't have to ask me. You can go after anybody with their hand up and say, tell me why I should go, all right? Uh, and I think the proof, is, the proof is in the pudding. I don't know where that came from. But the proof is in changed lives, lives that are affected by God. I, can't, I wish I could pay you all to go, but I can't. But I can try to compel you to go through that program. And the the first Sunday that'll be here is March 29th. You can mark it down. Six and a half hours, March 29th. You have until March 29th to watch two classes online or attend them in person right here. My preference is that you come in person so I don't have to talk to an empty room there. That's selfish. But I also think something happens when we gather, all right? So so Paul tells us, forget the past, learn to deal with it, Face forward, but then the third thing, and it gets better. This one, I get really excited. He tells us to run the race. Now, I'm not fast. I've never been a fast runner. In fact, same coach in one game, uh, we were playing a team that they won state in the sprint relay. Can you say fast? These girls were so fast, and they got the ball, and I'm like, oh, they're about to go on a fast break. I better get back, and I remember taking off running as fast as I could and I was, as I was running to cut the ball off. Those girls went by me so fast, I think my hair blew forward. There was, and I remember going, "Whoa, they're fast!" And my coach started screaming, "Beth!" I got yelled at a lot. I turned, "Beth, run, run!" And I, could, I could that time I shouldn't have done this, but I laughed. Don't laugh when you're in trouble and your coach is screaming at you. But I laughed. But then I said, "I was running." I was running full speed, as a matter of fact, and they just, they were so fast. So here's the good thing about this race that Paul is telling us to run. You don't have to be fast. You just have to be willing to run, you know, and no matter who you are or what you're doing, do you know that you have a race to run? You have a mission field. You have a ministry, and you might be saying, I'm a stay-at-home mom. Great. Your mission field are your kids right now. And all their friends and all the other moms you come into contact with. Or maybe you work at the bank. Everybody that comes in, maybe you're a teller. You are God's missionary right there at that bank. God has strategically placed you right where he wants you. And we're supposed to bring the life of Christ there. And we're supposed to run a good race. And I love it. And I want to ask you, how's your race going? How's your passion level Are you passionate about things? What are you passionate about? See, I'm passionate about several things. I'm really passionate about young people, teenagers, uh, completely selling out to God and realizing that he can use them right now. That they don't get a junior Holy Spirit. They get the Holy Spirit. And he wants to equip them. Most people that accept Christ do so before the age of 18. So we need to get our kids on the mission field, right? Right? And they need to realize that they can lay hands on somebody and see somebody that's sick get well. They can do that as kids. So I'm passionate about that. That's one side I'm passionate about. I'm also passionate about adults. Maybe the adults that are kind of burned out on religion or they're they're in that nothing's more boring than... I know, I got the quote, kind of. Religious something. Anyway, (laughs) the same old dead religion. It's just... I love to get adults that are maybe flatlined and take them through something like Life Ministries and the lights come on and they get excited again and they get enthusiastic about what God's doing and how he wants to use them. I love that. I have the best of both worlds. That's me. What are you passionate about? Now, I I should tell you, I went to college to be a coach, so I can't help this. I'm like, come on, come on, get in the game. See, the Christian life is not a spectator sport. You are not coming to a basketball game. You're not coming to a football game and sitting there to watch. But we've made it where churches, we all come and sit down and we watch a few people up here run their race. And we go, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. They, they did good. That's not what it is. It's when we walk out those doors. And when the church leaves the building, then, we're, then we take the, the life of Christ with us and we're on the mission field. It's not here. It's there. So how how are you doing? Are you racing? Are you in the race? Are you using the gifts and talents that he's given you and affecting the people around you? I hope you are. If you're not, I hope I'm trying to wake you up today. Uh, See, this isn't the 9 o'clock service. You should have coffee by now. You should be awake and you should be alert. You know, I've been around some passionate people my whole life. And I want to tell you about someone who made an indelible mark on my life. And he did so when I was a college student at Oklahoma State. I went to a Bible conference, and one of the speakers was talking about living completely sold out for Jesus. And I was like, I want to do that. And he's like, what are you passionate about? And I'm like, what am I passionate about? You know, I was passionate about reaching the girls in my sorority. And I had a lot of passion even back then, but he just kept talking what are you asking God for? What are you believing God for? And he began to tell the story. He was believing God for Africa. And I was like, my, my vision seems a little small. But he was believing God for, for Africa. And at the end of his talk, he said, let's, let's shake heaven with our prayers. Let's, let's ask God what, what, we're, what we're believing him for. And he starts screaming, he's German, So he starts screaming, give me Africa, give me Africa. But in his voice, it sounded like, give me Africa, give me Africa. And he gets louder. He's just screaming, screaming. I was supposed to be praying, but I got to tell you, I'm watching him like the whole time thinking, I have never seen a man more consumed with a vision. You know, give me Africa, give me Africa. And I know I eventually started praying, but... It just, that night changed me. I was like, God, make me passionate about things the way you made him. Now, move forward about 10 years, and I'm a full-time youth pastor. I'm not a coach, uh, but I'm a youth pastor, and I go to another conference, and they said, you won't believe the miracles happening in third world countries. Very recently, uh, one man preached over 1 million people at the same time. And they began to roll this film. And it was, I mean, the camera just kept spanning. And as far as the eye could see, there were black faces in Africa that were at this crusade. And then then they said, this is the ministry of Reinhard Bonnke. And he's a German evangelist. And that's who I had seen 10 years earlier yelling and pleading, give me Africa, give me Africa. And that was just the beginning. He pre- can you imagine preaching to a million people at once? A million! And, and there's documented, I mean, you can look at the footage of it. And that was just when, when God opened the door, it, miracle after miracle began happening. And uh, I'll tell you how many people this man led to Christ in just a minute. But now we're gonna go forward another 10 years, and I'm at a church in Orlando, Florida. And it's, it's a big mega church. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. It's called Calvary Assembly. It's right on I-4, big glass building. Uh, I used to get tickled every Sunday because our auditorium held 4,500 people. But the only way to get there was to ride up escalators. And I always felt like I was sinning when I got on the escalators because I'm like, I wonder what Jesus would think of our escalators. If he, would think, if he would try to clean out the temple by, get rid of those escalators. But I had to ride them to get up to, to the service. So ride the escalators in, and we prayed in a room off of the auditorium. And I was back there praying right after I went to work there. And somebody came in, and I, I kind of, I wonder who that is, and didn't look, who was right behind me. We finished praying, and my senior pastor at the time said, Beth, have you met Reinhard Bonnke? I almost passed out. I'm like, the the, the, the guy that preached to a million people, and and he yelled, and I I just turned, and he is right there, right beside me. And I was like, I couldn't, you know, you want to be so impressive at moments like that, right? You want to say, oh, I said the most profound thing, and he remembered me, and whatever. I was like, "I, I, I don't think I spoke. That day, you know, he turned to me and goes, oh, Pastor Beth, so nice to meet you. Took my hands. Welcome to Calvary. And I'm like, I, I was so fangirling. Like, that's Reinhard Bonnke. And, you know, I will I will tell you this. And I, I know why God used Reinhard Bonnke, because I got a front row seat to watch his life. And if you've never heard this, you need to hear it. God's quota of big shots was filled a long time ago. God's quota of big shots was filled a long time ago. He doesn't need any more superstars. This man, in that season that he was at my church, preaching to the, a million was the beginning. All of his crusades began to have over a million. And there's document, you don't have to, you can get on YouTube and watch the videos I have because it just, It helps me believe that God is still a God of miracles when I see it with my own eyes. But he'll show crusade after crusade and how many people were there and how many accepted Christ. But he led 79 million people to Christ. That's a little more than I have. That is amazing. And he passed away a month ago. That's why he's fresh on my mind Because he stepped into the arms of Jesus. But he is a smart, wise man. And before he began to age, he recognized a young man who also felt called to Africa. And he mentored him. And he took him on the field with him. And they preached crusades together. And there came a day when he put his hands on his head and he said, The ministry is yours. Christ for all nations is yours. So, the day Reinhard Bonnke stepped into the arms of Jesus, uh, Daniel Kalinda was in Africa preaching another crusade, which I think is fitting. And there's, there's video footage where Daniel Kalinda is telling all the people in Africa that uh, Reinhard Bonnke has stepped into eternity. And some of them are crying, but they're like, oh, they're so grateful because he brought Jesus to that nation. He, give me Africa. And, you know, God called him when he was 10 years old. Ten, God filled him with the Holy Spirit when he was 11. And he stayed faithful to that vision. You know, he stayed faithful to his race. And I I wanted you to see a little bit. They put together a tribute video for his service. So we pulled about two minutes out of it. And you'll actually hear his voice. And you do have to pay attention. He's actually saying, we got to run the race. And the word he's using is pass the baton. But he pronounces it differently than Texans would. But you're going to see footage when he did preach to a million people and the roar that you hear is the crowd. And then you'll hear Reinhard's voice over that roar talking to us about running the race. So go ahead and look at the screens and you'll see with your own eyes. <laughs>
1: in the mirror the great commission is for you if you belong to jesus god is preparing a platform for you he will gather your crowd great or small from one lost soul to a desperate crowd of millions it does not matter the message is the same if you know jesus you know it as well as i do we are running stride for stride now Here is the button, take it and run your race. Christ is striving through the earth. Mere religious forces have no answer for him. He is our message. Scoffers say, why does the African harvest not happen in Europe or America? I say, why not in Europe and America? The ground is never too hardened. Africa for two centuries did not yield a harvest, though the noblest of God's servants sowed the seed there. The dark continent became the graveyard of Christian workers more difficult than America or Europe today. But in our time we have seen the tide shift, as it has also shifted in South America and the Orient. If the tide can shift there, it can also rise like a great tsunami to overflow America and Europe once again. I believe it, dare to believe it with me.
0: say that that man was one of the most humble men I've ever known. And he was leading millions to Christ and he would, he had no escorts. He was not a diva in any way. He would just come to church when he was in the United States. And he and his wife Annie, I I might be doing something else. I would hear, Beth! And I'd turn around and they'd just wave. How are you doing? And you know, I'm like, don't pass out. Don't pass out. Don't say something stupid, but most genuine people, but yet God chose to use a man who is so passionate to reach millions, you know, and he was so encouraging, God God is going to do wonderful things through your life. Well, that's true for all of us. If we are completely sold out to him and we are committed to running the race and we say, God, just use me, his... I watched an interview last night with him that I'd never seen before. And someone said, tell us about your beginning. And he said, he actually lived in Africa for a while. And he said, I had such big faith and I planned my first crusade. And it was a couple hours away. And I drove and asking God for big things and miracles. And he said he got there and there were five people there. And he said, and they didn't want to get saved. Five people. I was like, but he kept going. And then he also his crusades were marked with the miraculous. But he's they asked when did that start? And he said, I had to get over myself. He said, I believe that God still healed. I believed in miracles. But he said when he would start in the crusades, he he would want to call the sick people forward, but he would think, But what if you don't heal them? And he he was afraid how that would go over if God didn't heal everybody. But he heard about in South Africa, there was a Dutch reformed pastor that was seeing the miraculous happen. So he went to South Africa and begged that guy to come back to Africa. He brings him there. And of course, Reinhardt does all this advertising. He says, come be healed, come be healed. The the man from South Africa, he will pray for you. You'll be healed. And the first night gets there and people, sure enough, were there uh, on crutches, everything. And he said, The guy preached for maybe 10 minutes and then motioned to him to come up there. And he said he went up there and the visiting evangelist said, close the meeting. And he said, I will not. And he said, I'm telling you to close the meeting. He goes, you haven't prayed for people to be healed. He goes, I'm not going to pray tonight. Close the meeting. And Reinhardt goes, I won't. (laughs) And he said, I won't close the meeting tonight unless you'll promise that you'll pray for the sick tomorrow night. And finally, the guy said, I will pray tomorrow night. I'm not praying tonight. And so Reinhardt had to close the meeting. And he said, the next night, as he's driving past the venue, he said there were more people than the night before. And so he's like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All those people are going to get healed. And he he said, I went to the Holiday Inn where he was staying. And this is funny to me. He goes, I walked in, and he had on a safari outfit. I'm thinking, what is that? He goes, you know, short pants, safari outfit. And he said, you can't preach the word of God in short pants. (laughs) That's funny to me. But he said, and the guy said, I'm not going to preach. I'm going home. He's like, you promised. You have to come. There's people already there. And he goes, "Um, the Holy Spirit told me to go home. And Reinhardt going, the Holy Spirit would never tell a preacher not to go preach. You know, and he said, I'm not going. And the the guy left. And so Reinhardt is in his car driving back. He gets there. The leaders come up and they're like, where is he? And he said, I've got bad news and good news. And they said, What do you want first? He they said, uh, bad news. He said, He left. He said, Do you want the good news? They said, Yes. And he said, Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed. He's still here. And he said, I had no choice. I just say, I'll do it. I'll pray for the sick. We promised them that they would get prayed for. I'll do it. And he said, I was scared to death. And he said, but as I'm talking, the Lord's talking to me saying, keep talking. Your words are my words. And he he talked and he said, the Lord said in his ear, pray for those that are completely and totally blind. And he's thinking, I wish I could start a little easier, you know, (laughs) knee problems, whatever. And so, but he said, I did it. I said, if anyone is in the crowd is completely and totally blind, stand up. And he said, four people in this crowd stood up. And he said, I just said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And one of them screamed, I can see, I can see. And he said, from then on, I promised God I would always pray for the sick. So he would have those huge crusades, but they would always include the miraculous. And, you know, as I watched that video, and Reinhardt is talking about people ask why God doesn't move in America and Europe. He didn't give a reason He said two words, and that really got me. He said, why not? Why not? Why couldn't God move in America? Who agrees that we need God to move in America? So, so why not? Why not? Why can't he? Why don't we ask him to start moving? Why don't we ask for miracles. You know, I want to wake up on Sunday and think, I wonder what God's going to do at church today. Not, oh, we got to go to church and then we'll go to Walmart. You know, it's, it's not, I don't want it just to be on my checklist. I want to wake up and think, what is God going to do today? Isn't that a whole lot more fun? You know, than, wow, well, I hope Pastor Darren has a good sermon today. No, God, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? Or even when you go to work, God, how do you want to use me today? Who do you want to bless through me today? Who can I share your love with today? You know, it's a different way of thinking, but why not? Why can't God's tangible presence be here with us? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals. He still does miracles. He still saves. Uh, He still wants to move in people's lives. So why don't we let him move this morning? Why don't we let him move this morning? So I'm going to ask you just right where you are to close your eyes. Just close your eyes and ask the Lord, where am I with you? You know, you could be in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus. That's the greatest miracle that will ever happen. You know, if you're in this room and today you want to give your life to Jesus, could you just slip up your hand so I can see it? Because you can meet him today. All right? So we're, we're just going to, right where we are, we're all just going to pray this prayer out loud for those that raise their hand. Dear Jesus, thank you for praying after me. Thank you for saving me. Right now, I give you my life. Thank you for giving me a fresh start. A new beginning. I choose to enter your kingdom. Because you purchased my life on the cross. Thank you for saving me. That is the biggest miracle. But I want to ask you as you're sitting there. What miracle do you need today? Maybe you need to be healed emotionally. Maybe you need to be healed physically. You, you're in chronic pain. Maybe your knees hurt, your back hurts. You have pain. You don't have to live in pain all the time. God can touch our bodies. Maybe you got a diagnosis. Maybe there's a broken relationship, but you know you need God to move on your behalf. If that's you and you're asking God to touch you and you would like, like a miracle in your life, I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I want you to stand to your feet so we can pray over you. So if you need a miracle, just stand up right where you are. And sometimes our embarrassment, our desperation factor has got to exceed our embarrassment factor. But you want God to do something in your life today. All you have to do is stand up right where you are. As you're standing there, just surrender to him. It's not me doing it and it's not you doing it. It's the power of God. So right now, Jesus, I ask for your power to come. I ask for you to touch everyone that's standing. I pray for physical healing right now. I pray that you would touch parts of our bodies that are not working properly and you would bring restoration. I curse cancer in Jesus' name. Any cancer cell, we curse you in the name of Jesus I pray for divine healing. I pray for the miraculous right now. God, I pray against chronic pain. I don't care how long the pain has existed. God, I pray that it be gone today. God, I pray for our minds to be restored. I pray for for your mind. We have the mind of Christ, so I pray that our thoughts would be your thoughts. Restore our minds. I pray for broken relationships God, I pray that you would restore those. I pray for miracles. God, even for people that are not standing, God, if there's something stirring their heart, I do pray you would stir all our hearts to believe you for more. If, if, what are you crying out for? I pray that you cry out for it right now. God, give me or use me here. I pray that you would stir our faith and that we would believe that you are still alive and you are still working on our behalf and you want us to walk in health and wholeness and healing. And so, God, we just surrender to you. We ask your presence to come here. I pray for the glory of God to be here right at Crossroads Church. I pray that we go, wow. Jesus was awesome today. So as you're seated, go ahead and stand up. And Barry is going to lead us for the rest of the service.
2: Well, we're going to invite our ministry team to come forward. If you're part of our prayer team. And if you are standing up, needing a touch from God today, we're going to invite you to come forward. We've got our team here that's ready to pray for you. So as we sing this out together, come on, let's see God moving. Miraculous ways. Amen? Come, Lord Jesus.
3: And, Jesus.
2: Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Let's receive a blessing from Him, a blessing for this new year. May you lay everything about the coming year before Jesus. Fix your eyes on Him and Him alone. He is both the author and perfecter of your faith. Yield to the story that He is writing in and through your life. Now may the Lord bless you and all those you love now and forevermore. We pray today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys.